When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome. Well, this is just another episode of me reading the Iliad to you, like a bedtime story, but old and kind of crazy. I did just want to say to anyone who starts the podcast with this episode, this is not normal. This is pandemic quarantine kind of stuff where I'm just providing extra episodes where I simply read a public domain book aloud. 
to my beloved listeners. So if this is what you started with, find a different episode that isn't entitled Liv Reads the Iliad blank. Any of the numbered ones, a mini myth, those are a real showing of what I actually do in this episode. And with that, out of the way, because my mother pointed out I might want to say it, and she was right. I give you Homer's Iliad, translated by Samuel Butler, Book 6. The fight between Trojans and Achaeans was now left to rage as it would, and the tide of war surged hither and thither over the plain as they aimed their bronze-shod spears at one another between the streams of Simois and Xanthus. First, Ajax, son of Telamon, tower of strength to the Achaeans, broke a phalanx of the Trojans and came to the assistance of his comrades by killing Achamas, son of Isaurus, the best man among the Thracians, being both brave and of great stature. The spear struck the projecting peak of his helmet, its bronze point then went through his forehead into the brain, and darkness veiled his eyes. Then Diomedes killed Axilus, son of Teuthranus, a rich man who lived in the city of Arisbe, and was beloved by all men, for he had a house by the roadside and entertained everyone who passed, howbeit not one of his guests stood before him to save his life, and Diomedes killed both him and his squire Calesius, who was then his charioteer, so the pair passed beneath the earth. Euryalus killed Dresus and Ophiltius, and then went in pursuit of Aesipus and Pedasus, whom the naiad nymph Abarbarea had borne to noble Bucolion. Bucolion was eldest son to Laomedon, and he was a bastard. While tending his sheep, he had converse with the nymph, and she conceived twin sons. These the son of Machistius now slew, and he stripped the armor from their shoulders. Polypetes then killed Astyalus, Ulysses Pydites of Percoti, and Teucer Eretion. Ablerus fell by the spear of Nestor's son Antilochus, and Agamemnon, king of men, killed Elatus, who dwelt in Pedasus by the banks of the river Satnioeus. Lytus killed Phylacus as he was flying, and Eurypylus slew Melanthus. Then Menelaus of the loud war cry took Adrestus alive, for his horses ran into a tamarisk bush as they were flying wildly over the plain and broke the pole from the car. They went on towards the city along with others in full flight, but Adrestus rolled out and fell in the dust flat on his face by the wheel of his chariot. Menelaus came up to him spear in hand, but Adrestus caught him by the knees, begging for his life. Take me alive, he cried, son of Atreus, and you shall have a full ransom for me. My father is rich and has much treasure of gold, bronze, and wrought iron laid by in his house. From this store he will give you a large ransom should he hear of my being alive and at the ships of the Achaeans. Thus did he plead, and Menelaus was for yielding and giving him to a squire to take to the ships of the Achaeans, but Agamemnon came running up to him and rebuked him. My good Menelaus, said he, this is no time for giving quarter. Has then your house fared so well at the hands of the Trojans? Let us not spare a single one of them, not even the child unborn in its mother's womb. Let not a man of them be left alive, but let all in Ilias perish, unheeded and forgotten. Thus did he speak, and his brother was persuaded by him, for his words were just. 
Menelaus, therefore, thrust Adrestus from him, whereon King Agamemnon struck him in the flank, and he fell. Then the son of Atreus planted his foot upon his breast to draw his spear from the body. Meanwhile, Nestor shouted to the Argives, saying, My friends, Danian warriors, servants of Mars, let no man lag that he may spoil the dead and bring back much booty to the ships. Let us kill as many as we can. The bodies will lie upon the plain, and you can despoil them later at your leisure. With these words he put heart and soul into them all, and now the Trojans would have been routed and driven back into Ilius had not Priam's son Helenus, wisest of augurs, said to Hector and Aeneas, Hector and Aeneas, you too are the mainstays of the Trojans and Lycians, for you are foremost among them, alike in fight and counsel. Hold your ground here and go about among the host to rally them in front of the gates, or they will fling themselves into the arms of their wives to the great joy of our foes. Then, when you have put heart into all our companies, we will stand firm here and fight the Danaeans, however hard they press us, for there is nothing else to be done. Meanwhile, do you, Hector, go to the city and tell our mother what is happening. Tell her to bid the matrons gather at the temple of Minerva in the Acropolis. Let her lay the largest, fairest robe she has in her house, the one she sets most store by. Let her, moreover, promise to sacrifice twelve yearling heifers that have never yet felt the goad in the temple of the goddess. If she will take pity on the town with the wives and little ones of the Trojans, and keep the son of Tydeus from falling on the goodly city of Ilius, for he fights with fury and fills men's souls with panic." I hold him mightiest of them all. We did not fear even their great champion Achilles, son of a goddess though he be, as we do this man. His rage is beyond all bounds, and there is none can vie with him in prowess. Hector did as his brother bade him. He sprang from his chariot and went about everywhere among the host, brandishing his spears, urging the men on to fight, and raising the dread cry of battle. Thereon they rallied and again faced the Achaeans, who gave ground and ceased their murderous onset, for they deemed that some one of the immortals had come down from the starry heaven to help the Trojans, so strangely had they rallied. And Hector shouted to the Trojans, Trojans and allies be men, my friends, and fight with might and main, while I go to Ilius and tell the old men of our council and our wives to pray to the gods and vow hecatombs in their honor. With this he went his way, and the black rim of hide that went round his shield beat against his neck and his ankles. Then Glaucus, son of Hippolochus, and the son of Tydeus went into the open space between the hosts to fight in single combat. When they were close up to one another, Diomedes of the loud war cry was the first to speak. "'Who, my good sir,' said he, "'who are you among men?' I have never seen you in battle until now, but you speak of daring beyond all others if you abide my onset. Woe to those fathers whose sons face my might. If, however, you are one of the immortals and have come down from heaven, I will not fight you, for even valiant Lycurgus, son of Dreas, did not live long when he took to fighting with the gods. He it was that drove the nursing women who were in charge of frenzied Bacchus through the land of Nyssa, and they flung their thirsty on the ground, and murderous Lycurgus beat them with his ox-goad. Bacchus himself plunged terror-stricken into the sea, and Thetis took him to her bosom to comfort him, for he was scared by the fury with which the man reviled him. 
Thereon the gods who live at ease were angry, with Lycurgus and the son of Saturn struck him blind, nor did he live much longer after he had become hateful to the immortals. Therefore I will not fight with the blessed gods, but if you are of them that eat the fruit of the ground, draw near and meet your doom. And the son of Hippolochus answered, Son of Tydeus, why ask me of my lineage? Men come and go as leaves year by year upon the trees. Those of autumn the wind sheds upon the ground, but when spring returns the forest buds forth with fresh vines. Even so is it that with the generations of mankind the new spring up as the old are passing away. If, then, you would learn my descent, it is one that is well known to many. There is a city in the heart of Argos, pasture land of horses, called Ephira, where Sisyphus lived, who was the craftiest of all mankind. He was the son of Aeolus, and had a son named Glaucus, who was father to Bellerophon, whom heaven endowed with the most surpassing comeliness and beauty." But Protus devised his ruin, and being stronger than he, drove him from the land of the Argives, over which Jove had made him ruler. For Antea, wife of Protus, lusted after him, and would have had him lie with her in secret. But Bellerophon was an honorable man and would not, so she told lies about him to Protus. Protus, said she, kill Bellerophon or die, for he would have had converse with me against my will." The king was angered but shrank from killing Bellerophon, so he sent him to Lycia with lying letters of introduction, written on a folded tablet and containing much ill against the bearer. He bade Bellerophon show these letters to his father-in-law, to the end that he might thus perish. Bellerophon therefore went to Lycia, and the gods convoyed him safely. When he reached the river Xanthus, which is in Lycia, the king received him with all good will, feasted him nine days, and killed nine heifers in his honor. But when rosy-fingered morning appeared upon the tenth day, he questioned him and desired to see the letter from his son-in-law Protus. When he had received the wicked letter, he commanded Bellerophon to kill that savage monster, the Chimera, who was not a human being, but a goddess, for she had the head of a lion and the tail of a serpent, while her body was that of a goat, and she breathed forth flames of fire. But Bellerophon slew her, for he was guided by signs from heaven. He next fought the far-famed Solimi, and this, he said, was the hardest of all his battles." Thirdly, he killed the Amazons, women who were the peers of men, and as he was returning thence, the king devised yet another plan for his destruction. He picked the bravest warriors in all Lycia and placed them in ambuscade, but not a man ever came back, for Bellerophon killed every one of them. Then the king knew that he must be the valiant offspring of a god, so he kept him in Lycia, gave him his daughter in marriage, and made him of equal honor in the kingdom with himself. And the Lycians gave him a piece of land, the best in all the country, fair with vineyards and tilled fields, to have and to hold. The king's daughter bore Bellerophon three children, Isander, Hippolochus, and Laudamia, Jove, the lord of counsel, lay with Laodamia, and she bore him noble Sarpedon, but when Bellerophon came to be hated by all the gods, he wandered all desolate and dismayed upon the Allian plain, gnawing at his own heart and shunning the path of man. Mars, insatiate of battle, killed his son Isander while he was fighting in Salimi. His daughter was killed by Diana of the Golden Reins, for she was angered with her. 
But Hippolochus was father to myself, and when he sent me to Troy, he urged me again and again to fight ever among the foremost and outvie my peers, so as not to shame the blood of my fathers, who were the noblest of Ephira and in all Lycia. This, then, is the descent I claim. Thus did he speak, and the heart of Diomedes was glad. He planted his spear in the ground and spoke to him with friendly words. Then, he said, you are an old friend of my father's house. Great Aeneas once entertained Bellerophon for twenty days, and the two exchanged presents. Aeneas gave a belt rich with purple, and Bellerophon a double cup, which I left at home when I set out for Troy. I do not remember Tydeus, for he was taken from us while I was yet a child, when the army of the Achaeans was cut to pieces before Thebes. Henceforth, however, I must be your host in Middle Argos, and you mine in Lycia, if I should ever go there. Let us avoid one another's spears, even during a general engagement. There are many noble Trojans and allies whom I can kill, if I overtake them and heaven delivers them into my hand." So again, with yourself, there are many Achaeans whose lives you may take if you can. We too, then, will exchange armor that all present may know of old ties that subsist between us. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. 
It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With these words, they sprang from their chariots, grasped one another's hands, and pledged friendship. But the son of Saturn made Glaucus take leave of his wits, for he exchanged golden armor for bronze, the worth of a hundred head of cattle for the worth of nine. Now, when Hector reached the Scaean gates and the oak tree, the wives and daughters of the Trojans came running towards him to ask after their sons, brothers, kinsmen, and husbands. He told them to set about praying to the gods, and many were made sorrowful as they heard him. Presently he reached the splendid palace of King Priam, adorned with colonnades of hewn stone. In it there were fifty bedchambers, all of hewn stone, built near one another, where the sons of Priam slept, each with his wedded wife. Opposite these, on the other side of the courtyard, there were twelve upper rooms, also of hewn stone, for Priam's daughters, built near one another, where his sons-in-law slept with their wives. When Hector got there, his fond mother came up to him with Laodice, the fairest of her daughters. She took his hand within her own and said, My son, why have you left the battle to come hither? Are the Achaeans, woe betide them, pressing you hard about the city that you have thought fit to come and uplift your hands to Jove from the citadel? Wait till I can bring you wine that you may make offerings to Jove and to the other immortals, and may then drink and be refreshed. Wine gives a man fresh strength when he is wearied, as you now are with fighting on behalf of your kinsmen. And Hector answered, "'Honored mother, bring no wine, lest you unman me and I forget my strength. I dare not make a drink-offering to Jove with unwashed hands. One who is bespattered with blood and filth may never pray to the son of Saturn. Get the matrons together and go with offerings to the temple of Minerva, driver of the spoil. There, upon the knees of Minerva, lay the largest and fairest robe you have in your house, the one you set most store by.' Promise, moreover, to sacrifice twelve yearling heifers that have never yet felt the goad in the temple of the goddess if she will take pity on the town with the wives and little ones of the Trojans, and keep the son of Tydeus from off the goodly city of Ilius, for he fights with fury and fills men's souls with panic. Go then to the temple of Minerva while I seek Paris and exhort him, if he will hear my words." Would that the earth might open her jaws and swallow him, for Jove bred him to be the bane of the Trojans, and of Priam and Priam's sons. Could I but see him go down into the house of Hades, my heart would forget its heaviness. His mother went into the house and called her waiting women who gathered the matrons throughout the city. 
She then went down into her fragrant storeroom, where her embroidered robes were kept, the work of Sidonian women whom Alexandrus had brought over from Sidon when he sailed the seas upon that voyage during which he carried off Helen. Hecuba took out the largest robe and the one that was most beautifully enriched with embroidery as an offering to Minerva. It glittered like a star and lay at the very bottom of the chest. With this, she went on her way and many matrons with her. When they reached the temple of Minerva, lovely Theano, daughter of Kisius and wife of Antenor, opened the doors, for the Trojans had made her priestess of Minerva. The women lifted up their hands to the goddess with a loud cry, and Theano took the robe to lay it upon the knees of Minerva, praying the while to the daughter of great Jove. Holy Minerva, she cried, protectress of our city, mighty goddess, break the spear of Diomedes and lay him low before the Scaean gates. Do this, and we will sacrifice twelve heifers that have never yet known the goad in your temple, if you will have pity upon the town with the wives and the little ones of the Trojans. Thus she prayed, but Pallas Minerva granted not her prayer. While they were thus praying to the daughter of great Jove, Hector went to the fair house of Alexandrus, which he had built for him by the foremost builders in the land. They had built him his house, storehouse, and courtyard near those of Priam and Hector on the Acropolis. Here Hector entered, with a spear eleven cubits long in his hand. The bronze point gleamed in front of him, and was fastened to the shaft of the spear by a ring of gold. He found Alexandrus within the house, busied about his armor, his shield and cuirass, and handling his curved bow. There, too, sat Argive Helen with her women, setting them their several tasks, and as Hector saw him, he rebuked him with words of scorn. Sir, said he, you do ill to nurse this rancor. The people perish, fighting round this our town. You would yourself chide one whom you saw shirking his part in the combat. Up then, or ere long the city will be in a blaze. And Alexandrus answered, Hector, your rebuke is just. Listen, therefore, and believe me when I tell you that I am not here so much through rancor or ill will toward the Trojans as from a desire to indulge my grief. My wife was even now gently urging me to battle, and I hold it better that I should go, for victory is ever fickle. Wait, then, while I put on my armor, or go first and I will follow, I shall be sure to overtake you. Hector made no answer, but Helen tried to soothe him. Brother, said she, to my abhorred and sinful self, would that a whirlwind had caught me up on the day my mother brought me forth, and had borne me to some mountain or to the waves of the roaring sea that should have swept me away ere this mischief had come about. But, since the gods have devised these evils, would, at any rate, that I had been wife to a better man, to one who could smart under dishonor and men's evil speeches." This fellow was never yet to be depended upon, nor never will be, and he will surely reap what he has sown. Still, brother, come in and rest upon this seat, for it is you who bear the brunt of that toil that has been caused by my hateful self and by the sin of Alexandrus, both of whom Jove has doomed to be a theme of song among those that shall be born hereafter. And Hector answered, Bid me not be seated, Helen, for all the good will you bear me, I cannot stay. I am in haste to help the Trojans, who miss me greatly when I am not among them. But urge your husband, and of his own self also let him make haste to overtake me before I am out of the city. I must go home to see my household, my wife, and my little son, for I know not whether I shall ever return to them, or whether the gods will cause me to fall by the hands of the Achaeans. 
Then Hector left her, and forthwith was at his own house. He did not find Andromache, for she was on the wall with her child and one of her maids, weeping bitterly. Seeing then that she was not within, he stood on the threshold of the woman's rooms and said, "'Women, tell me, and tell me true, where did Andromache go when she left the house? Was it to my sisters or to my brother's wives, or is she at the temple of Minerva where the other women are propitiating the awful goddess?' His good housekeeper answered, Hector, since you bid me tell you truly, she did not go to your sisters, nor to your brother's wives, nor yet to the temple of Minerva, where the other women are propitiating the awful goddess. But she is on the high walls of Ilius, for she had heard the Trojans were being hard-pressed, and that the Achaeans were in great force. She went to the wall in frenzied haste, and the nurse went with her carrying the child." Hector hurried from the house when she had done speaking, and went down the streets by the same way that he had come. When he had gone through the city and had reached the Scaean gates, through which he would go out onto the plain, his wife came running towards him. Andromache, daughter of great Aetion, who ruled in Thebe under the wooded slopes of Mount Placus, and was king of the Cilicians, his daughter had married Hector and now came to meet him with a nurse who carried his little child in her bosom, a mere babe. Hector's darling son, and lovely as a star, Hector had named him Scamandrius, but the people called him Astyanax, for his father stood alone as chief guardian of Ilius. Hector smiled as he looked upon the boy, but he did not speak, and Andromache stood by him, weeping and taking his hand in her own. Dear husband, said she, your valor will bring you to destruction. Think on your infant son and on your hapless wife, who ere long shall be your widow, for the Achaeans will set upon you in a body and kill you. It would be better for me should I lose you to lie dead and buried, for I shall have nothing left to comfort me when you are gone, save only sorrow. I have neither father nor mother now. Achilles slew my father when he sacked Thebe, the good city of the Cilicians. He slew him, but he did not for very shame despoil him. When he had burned him in his wondrous armor, he raised a barrow over his ashes, and the mountain nymphs, daughters of Aegis-bearing Jove, planted a grove of elms about his tomb. I had seven brothers in my father's house, but on the same day they all went with him to the house of Hades. Achilles killed them as they were with their sheep and cattle." My mother, her who had been queen of all the land under Mount Placus, he brought hither with the spoil and freed her for a great sum, but the archer Queen Diana took her in the very house of your father. Nay, Hector, you who to me are father, mother, brother, and dear husband, have mercy upon me. Stay here upon the wall, make not your child fatherless and your wife a widow. As for the host, place them near the fig tree where the city can be best scaled and the wall is weakest. Thrice have the bravest of them come thither and assailed it. Under the two Ajaxes, Indomenius and the sons of Atreus, and the brave son of Tydeus, either of their own bidding or because some soothsayer had told them. And Hector answered, Wife, I too have thought upon all this, but with what face should I look upon the Trojans, men or women, if I shirked battle like a coward? I cannot do so. I know nothing save to fight bravely in the forefront of the Trojan host, and win renown alike for my father and myself. Well do I know the day will surely come when mighty Ilias shall be destroyed with Priam and Priam's people." 
but I grieve for none of these, not even for Hecuba nor King Priam, nor for my brothers many and brave who may fall in the dust before their foes. For none of these do I grieve as for yourself, when the day shall come on which some of the Achaeans shall rob you forever of your freedom, and bear your weeping away." It may be that you will have to ply the loom in Argos at the bidding of a mistress, or to fetch water from the springs of Messias or Hyperia, treated brutally by some cruel taskmaster. Then will one say who sees you weeping, She was wife to Hector, the bravest warrior among the Trojans during the war before Ilias. On this your tears will break forth anew for him who would have put away the day of captivity from you. May I lie dead under the barrow that is heaped over my body ere I hear your cry as they carry you into bondage. He stretched his arms towards the child, but the boy cried and nestled in his nurse's bosom, scared at the sight of his father's armor and at the horsehair plume that nodded fiercely from his helmet. His father and mother laughed to see him, but Hector took the helmet from his head and laid it all gleaming upon the ground. Then he took his darling child, kissed him, and handled him in his arms, praying over him the while to Jove and to all the gods. Jove, he cried, grant that this, my child, may be even as myself, chief among the Trojans. Let him be not less excellent in strength, and let him rule Ilias with his might. Then may one say of him as he comes from battle, the son is far better than the father. May he bring back the blood-stained spoils of him whom he has laid low, and let his mother's heart be glad. With this he laid the child again in the arms of his wife, who took him to her own soft bosom, smiling through her tears. As her husband watched her, his heart yearned towards her, and he caressed her fondly, saying, My own wife, do not take these things too bitterly to heart. No one can hurry me down to Hades before my time. But if a man's hour is come— be he brave or be he coward, there is no escape for him when he has once been born. Go then within the house and busy yourself with your daily duties, your loom, your distaff, and the ordering of your servants. For war is man's matter, and mine above all others of them that have been born in Ilias. He took his plumed helmet from the ground, and his wife went back again to her house, weeping bitterly and often looking back toward him. When she reached her home, she found her maidens within and bade them all join her in lament. So they mourned Hector in his own house, though he was yet alive, for they deemed that they should never see him return safe from battle and from the furious hands of the Achaeans. Paris did not remain long in his house. He donned his goodly armor overlaid with bronze and hasted through the city as fast as his feet could take him. As a horse, stabled and fed, breaks loose and gallops gloriously over the plain to the place where he is wont to bathe in the fair-flowing river, he holds his head high and his mane streams upon his shoulders as he exults in his strength and flies like the wind to the haunts and feeding ground of the mares. Even so went forth Paris from high Pergamus, gleaming like sunlight in his armor, and he laughed aloud as he sped swiftly on his way. Forthwith he came upon his brother Hector, who was then turning away from the place where he had held converse with his wife, and he was himself the first to speak. Sir, said he, I fear that I have kept you waiting when you are in haste and have not come as quickly as you bade me. My good brother, answered Hector, you fight bravely and no man with any justice can make light of your doings in battle, but you are careless and willfully remiss. It grieves me to the heart to hear the ill that the Trojans speak about you, for they have suffered much on your account. 
Let us be going, and we will make things right hereafter. Should Jove vouchsafe us to set the cup of our deliverance before ever-living gods of heaven in our own homes, when we have chased the Achaeans from Troy. Well, thank you all for listening to yet another episode where I just read a book to you. It's kind of comforting and kind of tongue-twistery, but it's fun anyway. Enjoy. I will be back next week with a regular episode and another one of these. I don't know why I tell you every time. It's all very standard. But anyway, I'm Liv and I love this shit. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.